Assalamu alaikum friends, hope you and your families are well inshallah Welcome to another episode of the Muslim Vibe Podcast I am your host Haseeb Rizvi Today we're joined by Mustali Raj, an award-winning graphic designer from Canada um, He reached out to us a couple of weeks before we recorded this podcast And um, you know, we often get these emails of people that want to be on the podcast And they want to share their work and stuff like that uh, quite often times it's, it's not really my cup of tea so nothing really happens but I checked out his Instagram account and I was, I was blown away um, the brother's really really talented mashallah and he'd been working on an NFT project specifically for Ramadan uh, called 30 days of Ramadan and it was you know just something very refreshing um, something very authentic about his work that really spoke to me and uh, so I you know immediately replied back to him and said hey man let's have this conversation and we did and uh, you know the conversation gets quite emotional at times uh, for myself personally um, graphic design is something that I'm really really passionate about um, and, and, and you'll probably hear that in this uh, episode also just so you know um, the audio might sound a bit weird um, it might sound like I'm in a toilet or something I'm not sure exactly what happened but I think the software that we use to record podcasts switched to my airpods instead of the the mic that I use um, but uh, just wanted to assure you that I was not on a toilet but yeah, enjoy this podcast. Let's jump straight in. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, Mustali. How well, are you? Waalaikum salam. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Mubarak to you as well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's absolutely my honor. Uh, you reached out to us, um, I think, a week ago. Um, so at the time we're recording this, it's in Ramadan. At the time this will go out, it probably won't be in Ramadan. Um, but you reached out to us about eight days ago, no, two weeks ago. Um, and things have just been so busy for us, uh, as you can imagine, with like, you know, um, the Muslim vibe and all this content and advertising and a bunch of stuff. Um, so unfortunately, I missed your email. And when I saw it, um, I immediately like, I was like, okay, I need to get this guy on a podcast. Um, followed you on Instagram immediately. And I was just like taken aback by the, the quality of your work. Um, and the freedom that you have in your your kind of like design discipline. Um, so I was just like, okay, definitely going to get him on a podcast. To be honest with you, for me, it's just like when I see other Muslim creatives, um, and especially ones that are of high caliber, like I immediately want to connect with them. Um, and I can see that there is a there is a a purpose to your your craft. It's not it's not meaningless, and I like that. Um, and I like that you're free at the same time because what ends up happening, and I was just mentioning to you at the start before we hit record, some designers become too functional. For me, I'm a functional designer, like too functional. And I've lost that kind of childhood uh, abstraction in my, in my, in my craft uh, and seeing others do that, but also maintaining meaning to what they're doing and depth. That for me is like really, really inspirational. So I want to thank you for blessing my eyes with your work and uh yeah man it's amazing amazing like to, to see that i'm just really no, inspired yeah no i really appreciate uh the kind words i think you're giving uh, uh you're you're an amazing designer yourself and like i was saying uh it's for me it's likewise like it's always great to connect with other muslim creatives um doing high caliber work for sure and i think you're the first guest that we've got or maybe the second actually that's in the same time zone as me because usually <laughs> what ends up happening is <laughs> everyone that I record is in the UK and they're half asleep by the time uh, by the time it's, it's time to record. Uh, so that's that's pretty awesome, man. We're on the same we're on the same coastline. Uh, so one day, inshallah, I'll, I'll take that epic road, uh, Pacific Coast Highway, all the way up to Vancouver, and inshallah, we can connect in person. Yeah, inshallah. I, I, my California trip is uh, long overdue as well. So yeah, man, come come through, bro. Honestly, man, come through. I'm lonely here. I don't. I, I, I need to make friends here. <laughs> <laughs> um so Mustali, look, I wanted to um ask you about your your journey into design. Mm -hmm. Um so let's let's just start from there. Uh, you, you, before you started the you started the podcast, you, you mentioned how, for example, you were born in India, uh lives uh, lived in the Middle East for a bit as a kid, and then moved to Canada. So maybe let's start all the way from 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 the beginning. Yeah. Um I mean, like most of us uh creatives, you know, growing up. I was coloring, painting. I was also always into that, and my parents encouraged it. Um, and uh, you know, I like I said, uh, 
spent most of my childhood in the Middle East, then came to Canada at a very early age and, you know, grew up in Canada, essentially. Uh, but I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, which is, you know, energy central for those of you that are familiar with it. And, you know, coming in a family of doctors and engineers, so my dad's an engineer, my mom's a doctor, South Asian family. Um, and, you know, you know, to be a professional, you have to be doctor, engineer, lawyer. You've heard this story. A lot of us yeah. have lived it. Um, and so, yeah, in high school, uh, I remember at the time it was the first sort of computer arts pilot project, uh, sorry, class that had started and I loved it. Right. You know, I did it. Um, and my instructor was like, Hey, you need to go to art and design school. And I was like, art and design school. Interesting. Like a part of me was like, Whoa, can I do that? But literally like it was, it was just the culture of the community where like even myself at the time, I was like, no, no, no you know, like, that's not feasible. Like, uh, I don't think I can make a career out of that. And, and honestly, I didn't have any role models, right? I didn't have people who came from the same background as me, who look like me mm. doing this sort of work. Mm. So, you know, I went into engineering. Um, and uh, to be honest, like, I, I hated it, uh, right? Uh, but, you know, I went through the degree, but I was still doing design stuff on the side. But for me, design at that time was just, um, you know, I had the Adobe Creative Suite, I play around with Photoshop, self-learning, make posters for clubs, for friends. Um, you know, we started a magazine for fun on the side. So, so Dare these... I say, was it the cracked version of Adobe Creative Suite? Um, no, it was actually I went and bought the student version from the school. Oh, well done. I applaud you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was great. Uh, but and there were moments through engineering when I was like, you know what? I would look up at schools and I would look at other people doing work. There was this like design store uh, that I'd walk to on the way to the train station. And I always be like, Oh, what if, what if, right. Um, mm. But it wasn't until uh, two things happened. One is I met a graphic designer, uh, Zara Al-Harazi. Um, she's a amazing, amazing person. Uh, very inspirational. And, you know, she was a family friend that came over and we were talking about what we do. And she's like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. I'm like, a what? Uh, right. And that's when, oh, I'm like, it's a thing. And, you know, she, in my early years, she was a really good mentor for me as well. Um, mm. And then when I finished engineering, I was like, you know what, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to go to design school, start again. And my dad was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. You know, you've done your degree. Go ahead. You can do it. But just work for a bit. Just make sure, right? which was good advice at the time because I worked in the energy sector for a bit, saved up money. And then I was like, you know what? You got one shot, one life. And so I moved out to Vancouver about what, 10, 12 years ago now, went back to design art school and, uh, you know, uh, haven't looked back since. And, and for me, at least the grass was greener on the other side. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So it's very interesting that um, you had that kind of uh, foray into engineering um, and you kind of like commit towards it for a little bit. Uh, for me, it was completely the other way around. Um, so I had my 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 parents never really kind of pushed us in a certain way. Um, I was like a unique South Asian kid at my school where my parents were like, "Look, be a free spirit. You're you're good." Um, obviously, like there was that kind of encouragement towards academia and stuff. It wasn't yeah, like yeah. you know just like kind of free for all. Um, but I think my parents, uh, particularly like my mom, she under, like she she knew like my capabilities as a creative, and my older brother, uh, God bless him, honestly, he was my inspiration like the whole way through. This mm -hmm. guy was, this guy was sick. Like when it came to like you know those those guys that could like draw people with like a big pen, yeah, like a realistic yeah. like portrait, just sitting there in front of you, and it's like oh my god, like this guy was my inspiration, yeah. uh, and still is honestly phenomenal. Um, but he didn't go down that career, like he didn't. He did that classic thing where like South Asians mm. start thinking about like, you know, career safety and like, you know, um, is there really a job in this? Is there really a future in this? Um, and that, that really broke my heart, honestly, to see him like do that because yeah. he's he way better than me, man. Like, honestly, like, I'll tell you straight right now, like the guy is, the guy is seriously creative. Like, I feel like an imposter uh, compared to my, my older brother. Um, but then... Um, yeah, like, in, you know, I, I kind of did that route, right? Where it's like, I went to art and design. Um, it's like a foundation year that you have to do, uh, at least yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it was like one of the fairly like prestigious like ones where it was like a one in, you know, 60, one in 100 chance to get in kind of thing. 
Um, but then um, basically in terms of like the actual degree part, when it came to actually like doing like the full on BA, whatever it's called, um, it's, it's a funny story. Basically, I turned up to the interview one hour late. Yeah. I was the last interview of the day and I'd spent the night before gluing my portfolio together. The glue was yeah. still literally like wet, right? Yeah. And I was complete, I was dressed up like a complete like bum. Like I was in my sweatpants. I was in like, you know, just like, I was just completely rough. Um, so I get to the college and, um, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm here for an interview. They're like, mate, it's like 5.30 p.m. Like <laughs> they've, they've probably gone. Um, and then just by chance, uh, the two guys that were doing the interviews, they were walking past. Yeah. And she's like, look, they're there. They're there. Go quickly, go get them. So I was like, yeah. okay, ran, ran, ran. Got this big portfolio in my hand. I'm sweating. It was, it was, it was, it was a complete mess. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. So we sat down. Um, they went through three slides of my work, maybe four, and said, look, we're going to give you a place in this university. <laughs> but Amazing. but don't, we don't want you to come here. You're already a graphic designer. So prior to this, I had already kind of established my own business. Mm. I was making logos. I'd worked on like documentary projects and album covers and just like I was I had done like a lot of stuff already uh, between the ages of like 16 and 18 um and also yeah even even like that foundation year that I did in art and design my tutor she was like look just do your business and submit your projects as part of the coursework she just said just turn up to school just so that you know at least like to make an effort to turn up basically so alhamdulillah after I praise my art teachers they were always supportive of my stuff um, they let me use my business clients, my like my projects that I was getting paid Extra for, projects, yeah. as my actual thing, right? Because yeah. they knew that he's he's doing his thing, so it's it's okay. Uh, alhamdulillah for them, honestly. Um, but then, like I said, you know, they said we, you know, why do you want to come here? I was like, oh, my mom said I need a degree, and you know, like is it kibate and all this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so basically, they're like, okay, look, fine, we'll give you a place, but you know, we will recommend not to. Um, and then two weeks later, I get a phone call from like um, a very, very close friend of mine. And he said, look, man, the dream is about to happen. I was like, what? He goes, we're going to start like, you know, first um, Shia Muslim TV channel in English. Yeah. And um, it was called Ahmed Bay TV. And um, basically, like I was going to be in charge of like the motion graphics and the the kind of, you know, basically. What, the when, what, what time? When was this? What year was this? 2009 i was 19. okay yeah it's, it's funny because i think i was at a conference um it must have been in the uk and there was Apple Bay tv i remember and uh i talked to someone there they're like hey we need to grow our design team uh, let's chat blah, blah, blah. nothing ended up happening with it but i remember there was yeah. a lot of activity around there at the time yeah. yeah 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 so um for me that was like you know like i was 19 and basically, like anything that's going out on the TV channel had to kind of go through through me, nice, right? And like, yeah. there's people that are way older than me and stuff. And it was, it was just like complete weirdness. I have no experience of working as a professional in jobs and dealing with people. I was like some hood rat from East London. Like I didn't <laughs> even speak properly. I was just like, but that that experience of being thrown into the deep end of like motion graphics now all of a yeah. sudden, uh, video editing and filming and all this kind of stuff. It just basically spiraled, man. Like as in, I ended up just learning so many different things, bro. Um, and that's kind of been like my, um, it's like a good thing and a bad thing. Um, where I've, I've never really focused down on a niche. Um, it's just like, you know, basically jack of all trades. Um, and it really hurts sometimes because it's like, oh, what's the one thing that I'm really, 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 really good at? Uh, but I've tried to be really, really good at multiple things. Uh, but it yeah, is what it is, man. So I'm talking a lot about myself. It's just it's just nice to talk to another designer. No, um, that's so, totally get it. Yeah, like I think I think there's nothing wrong about. I think that's a, a very valuable space to be in too, when you can do a lot of different things and do them good. Um, so, you know, I applaud you for that. And like a, a lot of times, you're right. Like most of the stuff that I've learned has been on the job or doing projects or working at a company. Yeah, it's, it's continuous learning, right? Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's like, you know, when um, there'll be some younger graphic designers that will ask, for example, like, oh, how do I become a graphic designer? I'll, I'll just look at them and say, 
design. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, there isn't anything to it. Like, how do you how do you become a filmmaker? Make make films, you know. Um, so a lot of people, I think, are kind of waiting for. I guess the education system kind of does that to people, yeah. where like there's this kind of expectation to kind of go through like a process and then come out at the end, other end of it and be like, ta-da, I'm I'm now a graphic designer kind of thing, right? Um, how did you how did your kind of graphic design school then lead to you having a career and like building yourself up as a as, as an established graphic designer? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was doing projects on the side and even similar to you, like while I was in school, I was still taking on some freelance projects and some of my instructors let me use it as projects as well. Uh, one of the reasons I went to the school I did was um, to focus on uh, conceptual thinking. Right. And then um, that's through the process. That's what I found that I was super interested in. Um, so, you know, we had similar first year was foundation. And then we started specializing. So the program I went to was a mix of illustration and design. So we had like drawing illustration classes. We had conceptual thinking. We had, uh, you know, art direction, branding uh, and whatnot. And you could specialize by your final year. And so mm-hmm. I specialized more in the branding design direction. But I had experienced a bit of everything. Um, and there was a few internships I did throughout the way, uh, university as well, which also helped give me exposure to, you know, big agency, small agency. And when I finished, when I graduated, I started, uh, working with, uh, rethink communications. Um, there are multiple offices, but they based in Vancouver and my role was this hybrid art director slash designer. So I would work on design projects, branding, graphic design, but then also at the same time I was partnered up with a writer and we'd work on advertising projects together. Mm-hmm. So this was this was everything from social campaigns to potential TV spots to like print ads. Um, and that experience was very valuable for me as well. It's like working with different people, uh, collaborating with like photographers, uh, sound artists and and yeah, and then uh, I worked there for a bit. Then 2016, I, I've, I've always wanted to do this. Um, you know, uh, growing up, Pandola, my family used to travel a lot. I've always had the travel bug. And I just wanted to get a one-way ticket. And that's it. Like, there was nothing, just one-way ticket and see where the road goes. So once mm-hmm. when I left, I switched to full-time freelance with my wife. Got a one-way ticket to Thailand. Uh, we took off. I was working remotely and we were on the road for almost nine months. Um, And, you know, we'd we'd live in a place, work, then when we wanted something new, then we'd move again. Um, And along the way, I'd meet creatives in all these different countries, uh, which was, which is great. And I kind of got to see how people did things differently. Uh, You know, some focused more on illustration, some focused on a solo model. And then when I came back, um, you know, I've been, you know, freelancing since, but it's just been such a wide breadth of projects, mm. right? It's uh, mm. a lot of branding, uh, you know, book designs, websites, digital, and now with like this new tech, like I'm diving into the metaverse, but, but more and more I'm starting to develop my own personal practice. So creating mm. my own content, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's through, physical art, exhibitions, um, digital art, um, storytelling. Um, and that's that's an area that I'm really interested in growing further. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think what's interesting about um, your journey is you've developed this experience of, through professional work in terms of working with agencies and all that kind of stuff. And that's really, really valuable stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I've never been able to pick up, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just like I've been on my own pretty much and I've had to kind of figure out my own processes and my own terminologies for things. Do you get what I mean? Like, for yeah. example, right? I only know how to use Photoshop. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Like, literally, I'm just Photoshop only. Like, I don't know how to... When I open Illustrator, I have no idea what I'm doing in Illustrator, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, obviously, After Effects, Premiere Pro, but like, as a, as a, in terms of graphic design, it's literally just Photoshop. And more recently, Canva. Don't cringe. Um, so, um, what, what I could see also is that you have a certain level of bravery and freedom in your personal projects. Um, 
And so what I mean by that is it's so easy or maybe it's not so easy, but it's so easy to kind of follow a trend, mm-hmm. right? And and get lost in trying to imitate, mm-hmm. right? And then lose yourself in that process of it. Even yeah. if the end product is nice and it's designed well and you get accolades, but it's still, and then at the same, same time, it's, it's not unique. It's not a, um, there's no personal identity to it. And whilst I was kind of going through your, uh, your your um, Instagram and then seeing your work that you've been putting out there, like for example, like the the Tiger NFT project, you can you can sense that feeling of um, there's like a connection there. Like I, I believe that that kind of art form links back to like your Indian heritage, if I'm correct. Um, without I haven't, but it just it just kind of gives me that vibe. Um, and so there's there's like an identity that you're you're building there. And there's like an experimentation taking place publicly, which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially more recently with this kind of Ramadan NFT project that you've been working on. There's 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 like you know you're telling a story. Um yeah. you're you're sharing a part of yourself through your work. Yeah. Whilst using these modern design styles and, and feelings, but at the same time not it doesn't feel like you're imitating someone else, which is really, really good. Um and it's honestly something that I struggle with because for me, I've got like that comparison stuff going on in my head where it's like, uh, I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these amazing artists. Like there's an Ilmco dude. Um, I don't know if you know, um, Garsim from, I think he's from Denmark or something. Uh, so he does like the really nice calligraphy stuff. Yeah. Um, and he blends it with typography, right? But typography has always been my thing. So now I feel like, oh, if I do typography in Arabic, am I copying him? You know what I mean? It just becomes like this whole thing. Um, but you seem to have that freedom. And I, I, honestly, I feel like your travels played a big role in that. Yeah, I think, no, definitely. Um, and, you know, travel for me is not travel for the sake of, you know, travel as a hobby or, or whatever. It's, it's And more than just being part of my lifestyle, it's part of my creative process, I feel like. Um, that change of environment really helps me. Like, even if I'm, you know, during mm-hmm. the pandemic at home, if I'm working on my, at my work desk, like I couldn't sit there for the whole day. Like I'd switch out to the couch or then I'd switch here. I'd go out to a coffee shop. Like that change is where I thrive. Um, and, you know, for the for a long time, uh, even while I was starting to do design, I was always afraid of, you know, doing projects that felt too South Asian or Islamic because I didn't want to get labeled. I don't want to be like, oh, this is mm-hmm. that brown guy who only does mm-hmm. Muslim projects, or only does Indian projects. So I was always like hesitant to like, let any of that identity come through so i would always like uh, in the beginning you know when i was in school i would make it like you know maybe it's more nordic style or more new york focused like big bold type typography and you know i love all those things too and as i as i grew as an artist and I grew as a person i realized that you know it's it's okay and it's more valuable to just be you be mm-hmm. honest with yourself and what you're putting mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. and you will see that come out in your work and then the way people respond to it. So like the Ramadan project, for example, right? Uh, 30 days of Ramadan. Yes, this year I launched it as an NFT, but it's it's an old project. I started seven years ago. And the only reason I started that was because I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, you know, I was inspired by 36 days of type, right? So mm-hmm. I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm like, what if there's something for Ramadan I did? And I was trying to bridge my creativity with my spirituality. How can I visually showcase my own spiritual practice, right? It was supposed to be a project just for myself, no one else. Um, I was going to do a different animated GIF every day to practice my motion graphics and create a visual vocabulary around Ramadan, right? So, for example, the first day uh, was uh, the Arabic number one sort of clicking like a clock, sunrise to sunset. Um, You know, another day I was super thirsty, so I made an hourglass that was dripping water. Um, And... The project really took off. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, people connected with it. Um, they were excited by it. Uh, Instagram picked it up, and all these things started happening, which I, mm. which wasn't part of my initial intention. It was just a project that was for myself. And I found the more I can be authentic to myself, the more success the project usually has. 100%. And so, so that's, now you know, that that's, experimentation. That's phenomenal advice. That's phenomenal advice. Um, and any any young graphic designer or anyone that's aspiring as a, as a young creative right now, 
and and you're in a similar position where you're kind of thinking about which way to which way to go um i would say what you have just said is is invaluable advice um being authentic to yourself because look as a, as a creative you know that this stuff is this stuff's emotional man like this not this stuff isn't just yeah. like hey i'm just turning up to work today to like design some stuff that's not that's not what it is right like is in when a client rejects like a logo design that you you've put your heart into and you know it's good and they say no can you make it bigger right yeah that anger is genuine it's not like you know pretentious it's not this thing of like oh it's i'm, I'm offended because i'm a snobby graphic designer it's no it's like Hey man, I I put my heart into this, you know. Um, so so now, like, you know, the authenticity without that, you know, a creative is always going to be um, in a position of how do I say this? Like uncertainty. There's always going to be um, something inside that's not aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, I've, I've struggled with this uh, for a long, long, long time for a very long time even now like i've recently relapsed into the struggle of like self-doubt um and then kind of uh, feeling like hey what am i meant to be doing really right um because i'll tell you mostly like what i've ended up doing is is insane right like as in recently the biggest like challenge i'm having and this is turning into almost like a bit of a personal therapy session when people ask me hey so what do you do (laughs) i have i i literally have no way to answer that like i'm like okay yeah. look same same here there's, there's this thing that i do it's called graphic design okay that's what i am originally hey but i also do search engine optimization and i'm really good at it i do google ads management for my clients so yeah i do digital marketing i do strategy oh and by the way there's this thing called the muslim vibe with like a million followers <laughs> and, and i host a podcast and we got video producers around the world and we get writers from around the world and this that and it's like whoa like what's going on you know um, and for me, um, like, you know, uh, basically this Friday, I'm going to be taking yeah. the rest of Ramadan off. And inshallah, like is it, for me now, it's really about trying to find that time now and ask God, like, hey, look, what am I doing here? Like, what is it that I need to kind of like calm down and focus on? Um, because without that, with, I'm not going to be able to find the authentic voice in my design, if that makes sense. It's always going to try and it's always going to be creating something for an end, which is unsure, right? Um, how do I explain that? So for example, if I'm designing something, am I designing it for the Muslim vibe? And then when okay. I design it for the Muslim vibe, all of a sudden there's a thought of, hey, like engagement and sponsorships and how does this kind of fit in with the Instagram algorithm and da, 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 all that kind of stuff comes into play. Yeah. And then it suddenly, boop, like it just completely like, it loses its magic and its spark, right? Um, and then, like in terms of like my own personal Instagram account. And this sounds so vapid um, to people that might not be, that might not understand how Instagram is actually become like almost like an integral part of like a designer yeah. and artist and a creative's kind of like totally. portfolio, you know, or like a you know, platform. Um, but it, it's, it's important, man, because that's how these opportunities kind of arise. And I learned that even like last year, um, with my little comeback on social media that ghosted yeah. for a long time. Um, the minute you're authentic, the minute you're you're true, like you're actually enjoying yourself and you're not just, hey, I'm doing this because I need to get followers or I need to do this. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, 100%. like you feel good. The people around you, the people observing your content feel good. It's weird, man. It's like, how is this stuff like being communicated through? Like, do you yeah. get what I mean? Like, how does anyone know? Yeah, totally. But they know, they know, somehow they know. Like, I've had this saying like God lives in the algorithm too. Like as in, you know, if God is everywhere, then I believe he's in the algorithm also. Yeah. And when things are being designed with that intention, that intention is received. It yeah. is received. Um, and I've seen it time and time again when I'm trying to do something rather than just simply doing something. Yeah. And I'm trying to do something, it's a struggle. But yeah. when I do something and it's just like, it just happened, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, there's traction there. Like my fish died the other day. Right, uh, lava, RIP. Sorry to hear so, that. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, so basically, like you know, Monday morning or Tuesday was. I have this thing on my uh, Chrome uh, browser. It's the Unsplash plugin. I don't know if you have it or not. Yeah. But basically, whenever you open a new tab, it opens a new image from Unsplash. Right. Right. 
And obviously, for anyone that doesn't know, Unsplash is a website where you can download free stock images, and they're usually a bit more trendy, a bit more stylish. And so it was a picture of uh, a beta fish, basically. My, my fish <laughs> no larva, way. Right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Let me just design some stuff here, you know? Yeah. So I made, I made like a nice little post, uh, wrote larva in the background, and then I didn't really know what to write in Arabic. I just knew I wanted to do something in Arabic. So I just wrote fish in Arabic, like fa <laughs> and sheen. And I was like, <laughs> like fish. Uh, and just posted it out. And people really liked it. And I was like, okay, this is actually a nice little, nice little design system i got going on. Um, so I, I smashed out two more across the next week and I was just procrastinating basically. It was, it was Ramadan and I'm just like, hey, I can't, I, I can't do anything. So I was just designing. Um, but again, because I was free in that moment and I was just enjoying myself, you sense that other people engaged with it. Like other people felt like, hey, like that's cool. Like that's fun. Like, you know, there's no pretentiousness in it. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's, I, I think authenticity is, is definitely a big part of this. I know I'm doing a lot of talking in this podcast. I'm just really excited um, to talk to a graphic designer. Um, um, yeah, I mean, especially because yeah. like a lot of us doing, you know, our commercial work, which is also mm-hmm. rewarding in its own right. And, mm-hmm. but there, at least from, from my point of view, the client has a problem that you're trying to solve, right? What is the best solution? Mm-hmm. What's design? Um, to, to fit to fit their needs um so i think for creatives it's important or at least for most creatives to have something on the side that's just for themselves right yeah um especially if for whatever reason they're not getting that fulfillment from their day job uh and that's where you can really you know be whoever you want to be and and choose the content you're putting out even like you, like you said right it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like necessarily tied to your faith either it could be anything maybe you maybe you love cats right yeah sure do something about cats do something that makes you feel good <laughs> yeah yeah no no for sure honestly um you know one of the things was slightly like i've seen happen in our community uh, i mean not just in our community but like obviously you know from, from from your own friendship circles and stuff is when when a creative like stops having fun mm-hmm it's it's really honestly it's a really sad thing to witness right and i, I say this to myself as well there's times where it's like my fun has dis- dissipated and you, it feels like the soul has like is like missing from that person do you get what i mean like yeah they're doing the day-to-day the output of design is probably still good right and that's yeah. just through practice right but like it's like it's it's dead basically um yeah. and it's, it's it hurts it hurts to see that and that's why like I'm so excited right now speaking to you because I feel like right now at least you're in one of those waves where you're you're on a nice little high at the moment. May Allah kind of maintain that for you as long as possible. Right. Um the tip is of course it's inevitable, we know that. Um but right now you're on this nice little high and it's 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 fun for me to witness you experiencing that. Like I'm happy for you. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm happy for you, yeah, thank you. doing, you know, making jalebi animations like that's cool man like that's amazing do you get what i mean like yeah that's that's you like i can sense so much memory in that like you know um yeah. so no man like i don't even know where, where this podcast is leading um i'm just like we're just having a free ball conversation sorry to the listeners if you're confused as to what's <laughs> happening here but this is what happens when two graphic designers speak to each other and and the, you know that self-doubt and that imposter syndrome you're talking about it's it hap- like it happens to me too. It happens to I think all creatives, regardless of what field you're in, because you mm. like, you like you look at work, you're like, oh my god, it's so amazing. My work sucks. Um, but then again, you sort of just have to like self-reflect, balance yourselves, be like, you know what? No, your work doesn't suck. But can you do better? Maybe you can. Yeah. So I'm going to strive to do better and turn it into like more of an inspirational moment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's it's an ongoing journey for us, right? Like, there's never. I don't. I don't even know. Like. People ask me this too. Like, I was giving a talk to some high school students the other day. They're like, "What's your favorite project?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. That's that's hard, right?" Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah. I mean, I, I think enjoying that journey is what I find beautiful. No, I agree. I agree. I feel like I feel like you see this like social media stuff, and and more recently now, obviously the rise of things like NFTs and blockchain mm-hmm. and all this stuff, metaverse and whatnot. In a way, it's obviously helped us as creatives to have, you know, more avenues to kind of express ourselves and, and put our work out there, which ultimately, like, every creative 
deep down that's kind of what it is right it's like this need to express yourself but also have that expression acknowledged mm-hmm. you know like let's, let's be real that's what it is right yeah um and now obviously social media is like you know it's perfect for that but then also it creates a barrier for a lot of people right where you know like we said the imposter syndrome the comparison issue right mm-hmm. so comparison isn't just like you know um it, it, it can, can paralyze a lot of people from even starting yeah right because it's like well if this person who i look up to is so good right who am i to enter this thing with like zero followers and now things like followers and metrics and engagement and reach and likes and retweets and all this stuff all of a sudden becomes like a part of the mm-hmm. calculation of the creative yeah. um how how are you managing that process right now of saying nope i i don't care like how, how are you doing that I think one of the things is surrounding yourselves um, with like-minded people um, or people who can support you, right? So Alhamdulillah for me, uh, my wife, my partner is that. Um, And so there'll be times I'm like, you know what, why am I even doing this? Like this person's doing this already. They already did it to beat me to it. And then she'll be like, no, no, you do it. Your work is good. She'll reconfirm that. And, you know, regardless of, you know, like you said, there's that artist that's using Arabic calligraphy in their topography work. And then you were like, oh, if I start doing that, am I copying them? Uh, or what, what's going to happen? But, you know, honestly, like, unless you're like straight ripping off their image, but when you, <laughs> when you create your own version of that, it will inherently be different because you are different, right? Mm-hmm. Even something as subtle as the curve on one of the letters or the colors you use or the way you compose it will be different. It'll be unique to you. So that's one thing I'm learning is, not to be afraid to do something because you feel someone's done it better already. Cause you don't know your version, someone else might find it better. Um, or just, I mean, just being on this podcast now, like I'm getting this, uh, like I'm feeling humbled from all the things you're saying. And I'm feeling a bit of that confirmation of like, Oh yeah, you know what? Okay. My work is on the right track. Um, and you know, with the followers and the metrics and likes, like still, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll check like, Oh, this post I put up, like, how many likes, so what's the engagement I'm getting? Um, and if I feel like it's not what I was expecting, then I just remind myself, you know what, it doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. were going to put this out there regardless of the likes or the follows or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. you did. Um, mm-hmm. And then just ask yourself, are you happy with what you output it? Again, I'm just, you know, from personal experience um, and, you know, full transparency, like 30 days of Ramadan again, uh, first year, took off right it was huge and i was like this is amazing the next year when i did it right i and i had to do a lot of self-reflection to figure this out it's like i noticed that my mindset had changed a bit mm-hmm. i was like oh the first one was so successful mm-hmm. now what do i do to make the second one successful right mm-hmm. uh what do people want to hear what do people want to see and so i catered mm-hmm. the second series based on that and it didn't do that well mm-hmm. and I didn't enjoy doing that series because it felt forced. And then again, that was a learning lesson for me. And I'm like, this is not why you did it. Just be, you know, uh, true to what you want to say. A part of it is educating others about Ramadan, right? Stay true to that. Part of it is trying to push what we think is Islamic design, right? Yes, we have the calligraphy, the traditional patterns, which is beautiful, but we can't just keep regurgitating that in a contemporary sense, right? We have to look at the mm. spirit of what it was. So if you look mm. back at when those mm. patterns were developed, what were those artists thinking? And right? what was the mm. concept? They wanted to show unity. They wanted to show harmony. They wanted to show infinity. And what an amazing way to do that. That must've like changed the art world at the time. So what can, what is that for us now? Mm. Um, and so I keep using that as a basis for my work as well as like, so last year, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. One of my favorite ones. Uh, I was trying to come up with a theme for the Ramadan series and I'm like, I love animals, by the way, and you probably see that from my work, but I was like, you know, in the Quran, um, Allah says that uh, you're not the only, humans aren't the only ones that worship, right? Everything worships God. And I was like, okay, so, you know, maybe birds singing and stuff. And I'm like, you know, fasting is a huge part of our faith. Other religions also have fasting and people fast for health reasons, other reasons too. I'm like, 
animals fast? And that was it. It was this like childlike curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I went into this rabbit hole and I found out that, yeah, like technically they do. Different time periods, different reasons. Whoa. And so I turned that into a project because I was like, I love animals. I love drawing animals. And then this is a good connection. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that project was really successful. People connected with it. It's getting featured, uh, sorry, it's getting exhibited at the local science world museum, which is incredible because that's like a childhood dream, right? You used to go mm-hmm. to that museum. Um, so it's, it's uh, you, you can see the results come in uh, when, like, again, I know we're re- restating the same things, but. Um, I think it's the most important create. thing. I think, honestly, I think it's, it's the most important thing. Like I've got, I'm getting tears in my eyes because I'm I'm sensing like a lot of like like it's been difficult like uh, you know having to like manage uh, multiple multiple things at the same time with mm-hmm. Muslim vibe and now all of a sudden I'm a dude on a podcast and I've got like record the intro after this and outro and I'm just like speaking to myself and looking at camera and do you get what I mean like it's just yeah. like what is this right like I'd rather just kind of be behind the screen scribbling away designing and painting um but like that that kind of raw connection to what's being created um that honestly is it's it's magical because when you're in that moment and you'll know this you'll know this it's not us that end up creating we end up just becoming vessels at that point right and like when it's that raw like pure like mm-hmm. like that creme de la creme level of creativity you're on autopilot you don't know what you're thinking you're not you can't claim like uh a right over the decision that you made or what color you're going to use or where you're going to place this one object like you you know that like I, you know this like you'll confirm mm-hmm. this other designers are listening other creators are listening that th- at that moment something else takes over and that other thing honestly is Allah and is you've just kind of reminded me of like my early 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 days um yeah. on deviant art i don't know if you remember deviant art <laughs> yeah yeah my account's still uh, on there i haven't used yeah it like i'm still there I, 12 years I, I, I became big on deviant art like oh, on the islamic amazing. visual art scene yeah, yeah. I, because there were some dudes and you know the dudes in, in the middle east were, were sick right yeah. i mean they probably still are right but like yeah. there was a time where these guys are absolutely killing it right and, and finding Arabic calligraphy and all this kind of stuff wasn't accessible. It wasn't like something you could do. Mm-hmm. You'd have to mm-hmm. download these JPEGs and like cut them all out like ugly and they wouldn't be vector and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, so I like, you know, um, looked up to them a lot. But like for me, the kind of Islamic expression, especially the expression of my love for the Ahmed Bates through art, that was when like these things would happen, man, where it's like it's 1 a.m., it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m., it's 4 a.m., and my computer's in my mom's bedroom. And she's like, bro, when are you going to sleep? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm in the zone right now. Like, it's another, I don't know what's going on. Autopilot. And these like beautiful emotional things were happening at the same time. And when you've just mentioned, you know, this thing about, you know, your love for animals and of course your love for Allah and the Quran and how these two things uh, came together and, and created this beautiful kind of curiosity and, and design experimentation. It, it kind of threw me back to that time, man. It, it kind of got me emotional, man. Like uh, this, this thing of, of of being true to yourself as a creative is probably the most. It's the most critical thing. It's the most critical thing. It's the most critical thing. I've seen a lot of creatives, including myself, like when when that when that's not happening, you've got anxiety, you've got depression to deal with, you've got self doubt to deal with, and. And it's not just me. That's the thing. I know it's not just me. I know a lot of creators out there that are suffering because, or there's probably so many different reasons, but like, you know, finding themselves truly in their work, that's that's their way out. That's like the only way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I pray that every creative, anyone listening to this, even with like an ounce of creativity that can relate to what I'm talking about, and creativity doesn't necessarily mean design and art. It can mean music. It can mean poetry. It can mean cooking. Um, yeah. You know, you'll know what I'm talking about when 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 we're saying these things. That that authenticity authenticity with yourself is is absolutely paramount to to your own soul's liberation. Um, there's no other way around it, man. Like 
you'll start doing silly things if you don't find that peace. You'll start doing and very, it, very silly things. And it's okay if you're not there. And it's okay if, you know, we feel that anxiety or that, that you know, fear or that struggle. It's, it's part of the journey. As long as you're aware of it and, you know, I think self-reflection. Like, you know, it's so mm. important in our faith as well. But just mm. from our day-to-day, even in our creative life, it's very important. I started doing that more and more recently. And that's when I started realizing, okay, these are the type of projects I like. This is the type of stuff I don't like. Oh, this is where this is what I'm good at. And doing that will help you get the work or get the clients, do the projects you want, and also find that sort of inner peace and satisfaction um, in doing so. I mean, I mean, let's let's circle back to the Ramadan NFT project. Um, how's it going? Um, tell me about like your perception of the NFC space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, project's going good. I've met a lot of incredible people through it, um, especially, you know, in spaces where I wasn't active, Twitter, Discord. Uh, I mean, it's meeting you, I think, dis- and then connecting with TMV is, I think, one of the highlights of it as well. Um, you know, we've th- uh, sold, or I've sold one-third of the cubes right now. Uh, and the way it works for the NFT is, you know, there's these Ramadan cubes that are like time capsules. Um, and then so when you get one of these NFTs, you get access to, you know, future projects, uh, future events. Uh, we're going to be having a virtual event coming up this Ramadan. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and then on, so if you get the day 12 cube, for example, then on day 12 of Ramadan, the 12th fast, you're going to get this second NFT for free, which is, you know, the unveiling of what's inside that box. Uh, which this year is based on uh, some of my iconic memories uh, of Ramadan. So, you know, like night markets and jalebis uh, versus, uh, you know, the moon sighting spectacle that happens every year, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, are we starting today? Tomorrow was it yesterday? Did we miss the moon? Did you see the moon? Uh, right? Um, and, and these like little moments that I think everyone can connect with, regardless of how personal they are. Um, and, and speaking largely to the NFT space, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of hype right now. Um, and I, I think that, you know, once that sort of starts leveling down and the water levels, that's when we'll start mm. seeing uh, even cooler stuff as more diverse creatives get into that space. Uh, majority of the stuff, you know, when it started off was like PFPs. So like, you know, different characters, thousand variations of them. Uh, video game sort of pop art cartoons sort of realm uh, but more photographers get it, are getting into it uh, you know video sound um, but you know and for those listening who don't know nft non-fungible token um, essentially means uh, something that is unique and ownable in you know the digital space uh, something that's fungible is like, you know, a dollar bill, for example. So if I give you a dollar bill and you give me a dollar bill, it's the same dollar bill. Uh, but, you know, the Mona Lisa or the Taj Mahal, they're non-fungible and you can replace those. That's unique. So now with NFTs and, and the blockchain, creatives, especially digital creatives, can take true ownership of their work. Um, right. Um, and. Yeah, sure, there, there are still issues we're working through, like, you know, energy consumption and accessibility, things like that. But the more diversity we get into that space, the more conversations we can start happening, right? Um, and we can start making that change. And especially from a Muslim perspective, it's very exciting because now, well, I mean, things are changing in the real world slightly, but for the longest time, like we didn't have control of our narratives, right? Others were creating stories about us, depicting us, whether it was film, books, media. Uh, but in this space, we can create content. We can ha- we have the power to make that narrative and make those changes mm. uh, and shape that space um, for ourselves. That's our tagline, man. The tagline of the Muslim vibe is reclaim the Muslim narrative. Um, and there so, you like, you know, with, with the NFT thing, like, I've just kind of been observing. Um, there is there is some ideas as to, like, what I want to do um, in that space, um, especially, like, through the Muslim vibe, because I feel like the Muslim vibe uh, could be a really good kind of um, 
platform to house certain things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and obviously in terms of outreach and stuff, um, I feel like NFTs at the moment, the value is right now is predominantly bragging rights, right? Of, hey, I've got this one exclusive thing that's like, you know, a lot of other people want and therefore the price of this thing is X, right? Um, now, for a lot of people, that's kind of an exclusive culture. Like, that's not really what we're into, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never been into, you know, sneakers, for example. People that are buying these, like, drops. And it's like, hey, like, we're just making 10 shoes and you've got, like, 10 seconds to buy them. And yeah. <laughs> people are going crazy. And with StockX and God knows what's happening. I've, I've never really related to that, right? Like, I'm just like, well, I don't know. Um, but for me, and again, this is my functional side coming out, where I think, like, NFTs, especially for Muslims, will, um, I think this will probably be most likely the way uh, Muslim uh, community at large will start adopting it, is if there's a deeper function to an NFT. Um, so beyond just like the cultural kind of um, superficial, when I say superficial, I don't mean that in a degrading way, uh, but like the cultural kind of like, hey, like it's a thing and it's cute or it's nice or it's fun, whatever, but like a deeper thing where, for example, if NFT's value is tied in, let's say, to a Muslim charity or a Muslim charity project, yeah, and then all of a sudden there's that, you know, instinctive demand for it, like that you want to now put some money into it, even if you're not that kind of entertained by the culture of it. Like, hey, you've got this profile picture, which is yours now. Like, you know, I can imagine like a lot of Muslim people turn around and be like, you know, that, that I'm okay with. Like, I don't really care about that that much. But what I, am, what I do care about is that this NFT block, for example, is part of a wider series of NFTs, which is actually going towards funding X project in another country or empowering Muslims in another part of the world. Um, and that, for me, the potential of that, once that starts kind of coming into place, once um, Muslim charities are, you know, start kind of uh, restructuring to um, adapt to, to this new reality of blockchain and metaverse um, and NFTs, that for me is when I think the Ummah is gonna really, can really, really uh, engage with it. But I think right now as creatives, we need to start thinking about projects like that and having conversations where possible with charities to say, hey, listen, this is, you know, let's start like chat to your accountants and be like, you know, figure out a way of, of counting your Bitcoin and Ether and all this kind of stuff because you know, things are changing and and our you know when, when when it comes to money and islam you know charity is the second thing that comes out of your mouth after it right totally 100 and so yeah. and so we like i feel like that needs to be tied in like straight up it just needs to be tied in and the beautiful thing of course with blockchain is that you can write these rules in you know you can yeah. write you know in code you can say that every time that this nft is sold this person gets for this it's gonna go straight yeah. to you know i mean it's like Perfect. Like your cigar is basically automated. It's just like, you know, there's so many things that can just be kind of like written into the code and the rules. Um, I think that would be like a truly phenomenal thing. Have you had any experience with those kind of conversations? Yet? Yes. Yeah. I mean, oh, um, yes. Good. so utility, right? And that's what it's going to make NFTs really grow. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing um, with the Ramadan project, the Ramadan NFT series. So what we're, mm. we're giving away 30% of the proceeds to charity. Uh, working with the local food bank here, as well as Islamic Relief. Um, so nice. it's connected to food aid packages. I'll go around internationally. Um, plus, you know, I'm working with Islamic Relief uh, through this Ramadan NFT project. We're doing a virtual event um, coming up next week. You know, we're going to share the art, meet, you know, get to know each other, but also there talk you are, about man. where the funds Islamic are going. Islamic Relief Canada leading the way. <laughs> And, uh, nice. and yeah, and so much more exciting things like, so yeah, there's a charitable component. Um, there is, uh, you know, access to community. So the idea is to, you know, one of the things I did with 30 years of Ramadan a couple, a few years ago is, yeah, I was doing my annual tradition, but then I, the Instagram page, if you go to the Instagram page, I created that as a platform for others to do their own version of 30 days of Ramadan or one day of mm. Ramadan, whatever it is. Mm. And mm. that becomes a platform where others can share their Ramadan inspired artwork, right? Um, a catalog and that's continuing to grow. And so I wanted to do the same thing with this NFT project is, you know, uh, 
for those involved become part of a community we're having discussions on discord about like what are you having for a star today you know what was what's your ramadan memory and you know keeping the collection small like just to 30 starting off was my take on quality over quantity Mm -hmm. uh you know balancing both you know how many pieces you're putting out but growing that community from again an authentic growth um and you know having access to like like an access pass almost right it gives you access to not only future artworks but events maybe promotions um you know i'd I'd love to do in-person events but everyone's scattered across the globe so yeah i think easy to meet up in uh, decentraland (laughs) exactly yeah so yeah yeah um, but yeah no i think fundraising wise there's huge opportunity and and i'm starting to see charities come on board slowly um but even the collaborations right if me and you were to collaborate on a work we can build that into the contract of like, you know, this percent goes to me, this percent goes mm-hmm. to you, mm-hmm. this percent goes to charity. Um, royalties you can add. So, you, you know, the artist is always benefiting from the work. Um, mm. So, so th- no, there's, there's, there's a lot of potential. It's crazy amount of scope, man. And like, you know, like uh, one of my favorite parts of this whole blockchain conversation and Web3 is actually DAOs. Um, mm. yeah. Because you think about how many... Uh, how much community politics can be kind of eliminated through having DAOs kind of regulating our organizations and community institutions and stuff, right? Like it just kind of takes care of all that politics and uncles fighting each other and, you know, the classic stories that you'll hear. Um, So for me, again, there's like a lot of um, exciting scope. I've actually had to kind of calm down a little bit. So like um, the, the two episodes that are going to go out before this are actually about Metaverse and, and Web3 and NFTs. So it's like a trilogy that's, that's kind of happened by itself. <laughs> nice. um, so at the time I recorded those podcasts, I was on like this kind of crazy, like, hey, oh my God, NFTs. Like, and, but for me, it's like, okay, slow down, slow yeah. down. Like I had this thing where, you know, I have this thing sometimes where I kind of get a bit too carried away. Um and I, I'm not looking at what's actually in front of me, which is like a bunch of other stuff that I need to take care of. Um, and then obviously there's that part of me which is like, oh, but you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the boat. And it's like, leave that with Allah. If, you, if you're going to get on that boat, then he's going to decide that either way. But right now, if you've got obligations to other people that are dependent on what you need to do right now, then I need to focus on that. Um, and just slowly, you know, take your, take your time. Yeah, one step at a time, yeah. Exactly. One step at a time. Um, that being said, I've had this recent idea. Um, so my little one, uh, she, she's turning four. Uh, she's turning four in, in a couple of weeks. Um, she, she's basically an artist at the moment. Like she's, she's yeah. like, you can just tell. Like this girl loves her thing. She, when she gets into the zone, you can tell she's in the zone. When she feels like she's not done good enough, she gets frustrated. And that's a unique yeah. thing that an artist would have. Um, and obviously you've got teachers teacher. like, no, no, you're good. It's fine. These mistakes happen. But she's got this thing where she like draws hearts, right? Like, dude, like we've got like about a thousand hearts at home, right? Yeah. And she colors them in all very uniquely, right? Dots, stripes, and different shapes and different colors. And basically, like whenever we go to someone's house or someone comes to our house, she's like, hey, I've got to make them a drawing as a gift, right? Yeah. yeah. So she loves giving that. Yeah. And, and my wife's looking at me, she's like, okay, what are we going to do with this, like all this paper? <laughs> like we've got like in our bedroom. Like a massive bag and it's like stuff full of like basically hearts and flowers and butterflies and spana. They're all so individually and, and unique. So I had this idea um, of turning her work and each one of those hearts into an NFT. Yeah. Um, and the money raised from it going to orphans in Iraq um, via a charity. They don't know this, but I'm going to reach out to them. <laughs> Shout out to Al-Ain, my favorite, uh, my favorite charity for orphans. Um, and maybe call the project, you know, Hearts for Orphans, something like this, TBC. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basically what would happen is obviously the whoever purchases the NFT, they get the digital copy, copy of the heart. Yeah. Um, and then the physical copy will actually go to um, the orphan that's sponsored from the sale of this or the benef- beneficiary of the, mm. um, the thing. So those yeah. two hearts are kind of connected, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the center of it, you've got this amazing little creative genius at work, just smashing out these hearts. And she honestly, she loves you, dude. You don't understand. She's 
so in the zone when it comes to this stuff. Like, yeah. oh, I love it. Because my wife was like, when we, when we first had I was like, she's going to be a graphic designer. <laughs> and my wife's like, you don't need to say that. She might be a doctor. She might be an engineer. I'm like, Is sure. Like, she might be. I'm not saying that she can't. But I have a feeling, right? Like, as in, you know, I have a feeling. And then as this kind of, like, creativity is just kind of, like, blossom, I don't need yeah. to say anything anymore. Like, it's, like, it's, just, it's just kind of happening. And subhanAllah. Anyway, I love Amira. Um, in the background, I don't know if I can show this. Let me just do this now, actually. I've got like a little gallery of her artwork building up on my on my wall. Oh, beautiful! So she, yeah, that's an amazing is, idea. I, before I come to work in the morning, she, before I come to, before I come to work in the morning, she's always like, "Hey, Baba, I made this for you." Um, and then yeah, so now I've just got this like artwork uh, building up on my on my wall. But then I you think know what also be fun way. with that is um, you know once if you have all these hearts and drawings, like you should also do a physical exhibition. Just yeah, have these hanging. Honestly. Honestly, that could be, be part amazing. of the whole thing. Yeah, it'd be amazing. And I'm, I'm in Southern California as well. People would be into it. Um, no, inshallah. Let, let's see. I'm, I'm just going to, like I said, I'm going to slow down with the idea. Let it kind of marinate a little bit. Um, think about the kind of functionality of it. Um, I'll probably reach out to you at some point to kind of think about like the, the kind of technical process of these things because I'm still very fresh to the situation. I downloaded Discord. I opened it. I got invited to group of Muslims in the metaverse. I have no idea what's going on. It's um, it's, it's overwhelming for sure. Right. Yeah. Like I go on Twitter every morning and people are just saying GM and that's the thing now and like it's it's a whole subculture building I've up. Start, I've started saying uh, JM on Fridays now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you're Jim Mubarak now. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a whole thing, man. And, and obviously it's going to take time to kind of adapt to it. Um, I definitely do feel like this is the future for sure. Um, but I want it to be a future filled with meaning uh, because at the moment, from the outside, a lot of people are a bit like, you know, this is, what is this? This, this is just all a bit silly. Um, but I think as creatives, we know the other side, like we know what it actually yeah. means. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we know that, okay, yes, there is a lot of nonsense out there right now, right? Like as in, you know, how many of these projects are you going to put out like a thousand apes and a thousand bears now and cats and dogs and just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like at which point does yeah. it stop? Um, and when, uh, when, when, when does it actually start becoming meaningful and actually like having impact? And I think we're going to get there. It just takes that yeah. time now, right? To, to experiment. Definitely. I think Muslim creators right now need to be focused on this. Um, and honestly, so that's that's what I'm saying, man. I was so excited to to speak to you because, you know, when you said Ramadan NFT project, I was so scared of opening up the link, right? I'm like, oh god, are we gonna open? It? I'm just gonna be like this generic picture of like women in hijab and like, hey, it's different color hijabs, like, oh, like Ramadan. Like, do you get what I mean? Like, what's it gonna be, you know? Um, but like, you know, there's there's like our concept. There's like these boxes that are you know like semi-functional and. There's like a whole kind of culture and community building up on the side of it. And I was like, there you go. Like, that's what you want to see. Um, and, th and that's when I was like, immediately, I was like, uh, I messaged our, our editor, uh, Jessica. I was like, Jessica, make sure we get a piece out on this. Um, I know it's late. I know Ramadan has passed, but I still think it's relevant. Um, and I was like, hey, let's jump on a podcast as well. Um, Mustali, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've, we've hit the one hour mark. Um, I, I feel like I've done a lot of talking in this podcast. So I'm going to let you end with some final words of advice to young creatives out there um, and anyone, you know, who, who wants to consider a, a switch up in career and move towards creativity. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, like if, if you're, if you want to be creative, you're already doing something, you're creating something. Um, right. And that blank page can be quite scary. Uh, it happens sometimes to all of us, uh, regardless of how experienced you are, but you just have to put it out there, right? If you're a filmmaker, grab a camera, make film. There might be bad films at the beginning, but that's fine. You'll get better. Um, even when I'm coming up with new ideas, like I'll just do a dump, right? Bad ideas, good ideas, everything. I need to get it out of my system before the real you know, craftsmanship starts. And uh, there's so many different disciplines you can go into, right? It's not just graphic design is the only creative career. There's like hundreds of them um and you know don't be afraid to reach out uh, to creatives you admire right um more often than not unless they're like super famous and big like people want to help um 
you know, uh, that's what I find really exciting about the creative community, especially when I travel, so when I connect with my people, like regardless of their faith, their background, um, whatever, like there's some sort of connection, um, right? And um, be, you know, for your side projects, like just create what you want to create, be true to yourself. And learning is so much different now than it was 10 years ago, right? You don't necessarily have to go to a school to get a degree in this. You can learn a lot of things online. Um, you can learn a lot by just doing, and it's a continuous journey of growth, uh, which is really fun and exciting. And, um, you know, happy to be part of and grow this community moving forward. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation, inshallah. I uh, hope my emotions were not too much for you guys to bear. Hopefully I wasn't too emotional. I haven't actually listened back to it, but I remember at the time of recording it, I was getting quite um, uh, a little bit too into it, uh, which I guess is fine. We're all friends here. Um, guys, if you could, as ever, please subscribe, leave a comment, um, all that stuff. Um, if you could give us five stars on the Apple App Store. Uh, I know that we've got at least like 700 followers uh, sorry 700 people listening to this podcast episode usually um but yeah if you could actually just you know take some time just to quickly go on the apple store and give it five stars that'd be really really appreciated uh, inshallah join us again next week where we'll be speaking to melanie l turk from the co-founder of auto hijab um, a brand i'm sure you guys must be familiar with uh so yeah that's it from from me barakallah fiq see you next week